Good morning, afternoon, Montrose Baptist Church. Amen. It is indeed an honor to stand before you. I will tell you this is not a joke. We have not gone rogue. Pastor Fentress has not lost his mind (laughs) to ask me to stand before you. And I know a lot of you think it's weird to see me standing in this place. But I assure you this is not my first time. Amen. I have been in ministry for over 15 years, ordained for 10 of those 15 as an elder in the Lord's church. God has called and used through me and saved souls have been saved, saved and added to the kingdom. And today I am here honored as a vessel to stand before you to deliver what God has for us on today. Is that okay? Is that all right? I hope that uh, I know some of you may have some reservations about what may be about to take place, but God is still God. He's in control, and I promise you, he speaks. He speaks through me, um, and I pray that your souls will be better after we leave this place. I want to first give honor to Pastor Fentress in his absence, the great man of God who is the leader of this flock to all of you God's people, so those of you in your respective places, Deacon Gaba, it's good to see you. I told you earlier, had I known that you would be here today, I would have called Pastor Fentress back <laughs> and told him to let you go ahead and do what we know you do well. Amen. But I thank you all for your prayers and your support. I promise you, we will not be here long unless God says otherwise. I have... Um, I have been, when Pastor Fentress asked me earlier in the week, um, God had laid something on my heart that I had been wrestling with all week. And uh, as life does and God does through life situations, it took until yesterday evening for God to solidify what he had told me, but it was something completely different than what he told me initially. So, I'm excited just like you are to hear what God is going to say. Amen. Let's go to the book of Mark, the gospel according to Mark. It's a very familiar passage of scripture. I'm sure that if I put the mic in anyone's face, you can tell me about this passage. We'll be talking about uh, someone who is not a stranger to us. We come to know him by the name of Blind Bartimaeus. Um, So we're looking in Mark, the 10th chapter, we'll be reading verses 46 through 42. Amen. And uh, let's pray and then we'll get into the word. Father God, we thank you that you are God of all, that you're sovereign and you reign over all. We thank you, God, that you've seen us in this moment and you purposed and prepared us for this moment. We thank you that you will be glorified that the people will be edified and and souls will be drawn and added to the kingdom. We ask that you will open the eyes of our heart, that we might see you clearly, open the ears of our understanding, that we might hear and understand what you are saying to us through your word on today. We stand ready, open, and ready to receive from you. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's read. I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible, so it may read a little different than what you're accustomed to. But it reads as thus. Then they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a blind beggar 
named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. And when he heard that it was Jesus, the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, many sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And then Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, stand up, for he has called for you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. Now, if we need to tag this with a title or a text, we'll, we'll be working with the thought, Jesus, the great appraiser. Jesus, the great appraiser. It sounds a little different. I understand. Didn't seem like it lines up with the text, but bear with us, and I promise you we'll get there. So, again, I know everyone has heard about blind Bar- Bartimaeus. We can go through the, the scripture and pick out points that we traditionally hear. Uh, there are a few things that we can, we've always hear preacher talk about, lessons that we learn from this blind man, Bart- Bartimaeus. One we look, first we'll often hear that the good thing that, about this story that we can learn is that Bartimaeus acted on information that he was given. He acted on information that he was given. The Bible says he came, the, that Jesus came to Jericho and Bartimaeus heard that he was passing by. Somebody was talking about Jesus. Bartimaeus heard about Jesus, gathered the information, and from that information, his faith was established. So that when Jesus came by, he was able to call out. And when he called out, he not just called out randomly, but he called out Jesus according to who he heard he was. Jesus, the son of David. Uh, uh, in that, it, it, it entails so many different things because as the son of David, it, it, it includes the mercies that God has bestowed on his people through the reign of Je- the promises that God made to David. Amen. And another thing that we see through Bar- Bar- blind Bar- Bartimaeus is that he was courageous in spite of being bullied. I know, bu- I know bullying seems to be a new term or something that we kind of latched on to in the last five to ten years, but we see bullying here in the text early in the Bible days. We have a blind man in need of something, and those who think that he's not worth anything are telling him to shut up because you don't deserve to talk to Jesus. In spite of the bullying, uh, Bartimaeus gathers courage and calls out to Jesus and is persistent until he gets Jesus' attention. The other thing we can pick up real quick from Bartimaeus, just great, uh, glancing at the scripture, is that when he did get Jesus' attention, he asked him specifically for something that he wanted. He knew what he wanted from Jesus when he got his attention. How many of people, uh, how many of us oftentimes when we're praying, God just bless me? No specificity, mm, I can't talk. Nothing specific, uh, nothing in particular, just God, however you bless me, I'll be satisfied. Bartimaeus had a different mindset. He knew specifically what he wanted, and Jesus gave him exactly what he was looking for. The last thing we can look at real quickly when we're looking at this text 
is Bartimaeus' response after he received what he want. After he received what he asked for, he, Jesus told him to go because he was healed. He did go, but he decided to go after Jesus. The Bible said after he was healed, he followed him. He followed Jesus after he was healed. It's, it's a little different than what we hear. Other, um, there, were, there was a story of ten, ten lepers. Jesus gave them the heal, healing and told them to go their way, and they did go their way. And never, only one of them returned to say thanks. This is a little different than Bart, Bartimaeus. Once he received his sight, he realized this is the source what I need, and so I am going to stick with the source. Amen. So, but, but, but there is, I, 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 there's a, a, another, another, another way that we can look at this scripture that I've not really heard too many people, um, open up this revelation. Um, but it blesses us and it will, I guess, illuminate a little even further, uh, the, the point that Jesus is making even as he heals this blind, blind man. So when, let's, let's, let's kind of start from the beginning. And then look at this in uh, holistically from a different perspective. First of all, we're introduced to Bartimaeus kind of out of nowhere. He seems to be a random occurrence, someone that just pops up in, in Scripture. The Bible actually says that he was a beggar on the side of the road. How many, how many beggars have you passed by not giving a second thought to? Not thinking, oh, maybe there is a backstory to this person to their life. Something has happened that brought them to this place. We have none of that context in scripture. All we see is Bartimaeus appear. He's begging. He's blind. He's in need. But I suggest to you, if you look just a little closer, the, 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 the revelation lies in something that's so simple that we pass over. The revelation lies in the name itself. Bartimaeus. 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 Uh, uh, if, if the, the original meaning of Timaeus is of high value or someone who is highly valued. <laughs> Bar is simply, uh, son of. So if the translation of his name, it would equate to son of high value. Son of high value. That means because his father, he's named after, in, it's interesting in this text that it seems like they introduced him twice. There was a blind man named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. It's actually a repetition of the same thing. Bartimaeus actually translates to son of Timaeus. So why then would they have Bartimaeus and then say again, son of Timaeus? To me, it seems like a conflict. It, it expresses a conflict. Bart, the son of Timaeus... <laughs> blind Bartimaeus, I'm sorry, is what they refer to him because they, they begin to refer to him based on his condition and not who he is. A lot of mistake, a lot of times we make the mistake of we, we refer to people and we address people based on their condition and not who they really are. Uh, Bartimaeus is the same way and we still reference him. Even after he was healed and regained his sight, we still reference him as a blind man. I'll let that sink in for a minute. Sometimes we, we see people who have been delivered for a, from a thing, but our remembrance of them or our attachment or our attachment to them is based on the thing they were de- delivered from. And so while they're walking around free in the liberty of Jesus, they've been made new, a new creation. We, those who are saved, we, we, those who are saved by grace are still addressing them according to their past condition. I'll let that sink in just for a minute, just for a minute. 
Even in scripture, he's referred to as the blind man after he's received his sight. So it lends itself to me that there's something a little bit more than just a physical ailment that the Bible is speaking of. Remember, son of Timaeus, son of high value. He pops up. He's blind. There's another instance in scripture where there's a young man, a, a young boy, rather, who is brought to Jesus and he's blind. The Bible says he was blind from birth. Doesn't say this about about Bartimaeus. It just says he's a blind man. So somewhere along life, he had sight. He had vision. And then he became blind. What did he become blind to? Who he was. I can't see that I am a son of high value, blind Bartimaeus. Does that make sense to y'all? It, it, are y'all with me? I know I can't really see expressions through the mask. I just see. So y'all raise your eyebrows or something. So I know, <laughs> I know I'm not talking crazy to myself. So blind Bartimaeus literally translates to one who cannot see the son, They are a son of high value. Blind Bartimaeus can apply to any of us. One who is claimed to be redeemed of God, but still walking blind to the fact that you are a son of high value. I'm going to take my time, but I won't take much of yours, I promise. I'm just going to try to let it marinate so God can speak to your heart and do what he needs to do. So the first thing we notice is that he, 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 at some point in life, He lost sight of his value. He lost sight of his value and everybody began to identify him based on his condition. Not only did, (laughs) let me back up. The importance of this is, 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 and my grandmother used to say, it's not about what you called, but it's what you answered to. But here's the other thing. Think, (laughs) day after day, Day after day, if someone continues to call you by your condition, there's something that's going to happen psychologically that you are only going to answer to what they call you by the identification of your condition. If every day someone walks in with a limp and your description of them becomes, becomes, uh, do you know such and such? Who's such and such? You know the one that walks with a limp. Right? For me personally, uh, (laughs) I got scars everywhere and people describe me. You know David? No, the one who played keyboard. The one with the scar on his head. Oh, okay. We identify by past conditions. This this is is the importance of a name. This is the importance of a name. I'm laughing to myself. Y'all bear with me. Just bear with me. Me and God is having a good time up here. Um, It's important even when naming our children. I am the king of nicknames in my family. I would give a nickname to anybody at the drop of a hat. Um, But I am very careful that the nickname is not something that would be derogatory and be a stigma for them later on in life. Because I realize the the importance and the weight that my words carry in their life. And I know it sounds like, you know, sometimes we we get into this thing and we've heard it a whole bunch of times. This is more than just a positive affirmation. This is more than just speaking something and hoping it comes into existence. The name that you call a thing consistently is the thing that they will identify with. So even if they don't identify with it or answer to it initially, if you are persistent in calling them this thing, that is what they become. 
Bartimaeus is a prime example. You look on in the scripture and it talks about he's wearing this cloak. Now, in the Bible days, uh, we understand that they were there, there for each condition. There were different garments that were required to be worn. For the women who was it was the time of the month, they were to put on a certain garment to identify. Stay away because I'm not clean right now. For blind for blind individuals, there were there was a cloak identifying that they were blind and they were begging. What this signifies to us is just what we were saying. Eventually, after being called by your condition, you will wear it for the rest of your life. You're walking who you really are is bound and covered under this identifying condition. Okay. But there comes a place, there comes a place, there comes a place when we meet Jesus, (laughs) the great appraiser, the one who looks at the heart and not the condition of the flesh, the one who looks at the intent of the heart and not the actions of the flesh. He comes up, uh, Bartimaeus is crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy of me, on me. But because on, the people around them can only see and identify him by his condition, they tell him to shut up because your condition makes you unworthy to speak to the Savior. How many people have we pushed away because of their condition, leaving them feeling like they're not worthy of a Savior? Whether it be in our in, in, intentionally or unintentionally, um, um, it could be the person at the Seven Eleven who's standing outside asking for change, and 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 a lot of people. <laughs> I've had this conversation with individuals. Uh, what is our responsibility for individuals we come across, like a Barnum, Bartimaeus who's sitting on the side of the road begging in a time that we live in, where we have access to so much? You are a well-able body. Why are you out here, out here begging? This is the mentality that we have taking on in our society. And as Christians, as believers, we have fallen into the same mindset. There's no separation. There's no display of love. There is no affection or empathy for a lost soul. We only see a condition. And the individual's condition actually becomes a wall for us offering Jesus. But thank God that Jesus is still present even when we can't see past someone's condition because the crowd is telling him to shut up. But Jesus responds over the crowd and says, no, bring him to me. Tell him to come here. Someone needs to know and be assured that God has called you specifically, regardless what anybody else says, regardless what it looks like at any other condition in your life, whatever you're going through right now, you have to know that you have been called specifically by God. And he does not call him by his condition. He calls him straight, come to me. And then when he comes, he doesn't, uh, this is a beautiful thing. He doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't identify him or address him by the, 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 the tag that is placed on him. He doesn't address his blindness. He doesn't, he just asks him, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus responds, I want to regain my sight, but it's more than just a physical seeing or recovery of the eyes. I want to see my value again. Someone 
maybe in this room, maybe watching, maybe just me. Someone at some point in their life has come to a place where tribulations, trials, life circumstances has caused you, has caused you to forget how valuable you are. And in forgetting how valuable you are, you forget the valuable gift that lies in you. <laughs> but Jesus is able because the great appraiser he is. He comes and he calls us not by our condition, but based on the, the gift, the calling and the purpose that he had already predestined before the foundations of the world. So this is a response. When Jesus calls Bartimaeus, he does something interesting. He gets up and he removes the cloak. It seems a little insignificant. It almost seemed like something that would naturally happen when you stand is going to fall off. But the Bible said he threw it off. Remember what the cloak represents. The cloak represents the identification of the condition. This is where we see the faith of Bartimaeus in place even before he gets to Jesus. He hears Jesus calls and his faith responds, because I'm called, I'm not what they say I was. Y'all see that? Let me, I'll do it this way. He's wearing the cloak that identifies him as a blind man. Everybody knows him by this cloak. Jesus calls him before he regains his sight. Before anything happens, his faith is in operation because he gets up and he removes the thing that 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 identifies his condition. Even before he was healed, his faith says, I'm not that anymore. There go them eyes again. <laughs> his faith was in operation even before he received, before he got to Jesus. All it took was hearing that he was called. That is a wonderful thing about the voice of God. When God calls you, it, 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 it reignites, it, 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 it rejuvenates, it, it brings back to life the spirit that has been dead in us. That he placed in us from the beginning. It's that connection back to him. And in that realization, there's a, something that happens on the inside of Bart- Bartimaeus that the world has not seen yet. But by faith, because he removed the cloak, I'm not that. I'm who he called. Oh, my God, that's good to me. I'm not the blind man. I'm not the sinner. I'm not the fornicator. I'm not the adulterer. I'm not the murderer. I am who he called. I had an interesting um and I'll be completely transparent. And this is one of this is the moment where God kind of revealed that uh, where we were going with the word today. Um, I had a conversation with 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 someone who was dear to me, uh, who was struggling because um, uh, <laughs> their mother their mother essentially um, their mother addressed them in ways that one would not expect a mother to address a child. Uh, and, and, and then at the end of addressing, uh, calling them liars, whores, whatever, the, all the other things that they called, uh, ended the conversation with saying, you're nothing like me. And, and, <laughs> and it crushed them so, and it, it, and it stirred something in me because it just reminded me the grace of the grace of God that regardless of what we've done, 
regardless of where we've been, regardless of the things that we've, we've gotten into, the things that we've done intentionally or unintentionally, God still says, you are mine. And because you are mine, I know there, there is high value in you. So I'm not going to address you. This is the wonderful thing. Behold, all things have become new. Behold, old things are passed away. And, and, and this is the struggle that we have because we, we in ourselves, we think our conversion must be something that we, it's, it's a one, two, three, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, step by step. And if we do it right, then we're holy. Then we're sanctified. Then God loves us. God loves you before you take a step. I'll, I'll say that again. It's a, it's a little hard, I understand. But before you do anything, before you, before you give to the needy, before you come up to, to church for service, before you, any of that, God has loved you and has caused you, called you before any of that. And so regardless of that, if that happens or not, God's love is not going to change because it's not predicated on what you do. We, we, we as humans, our love is conditional. We say we love unconditionally until you do something <coughs> that, that causes our love to change. There is nothing that we can do. There is nothing that we can say that will separate us from the love of God. His love is eternal. It has been. It still is. And it will always be beyond our sin, beyond our understanding, beyond even our own understanding of ourselves is God's consistent love. And it's with this love that he calls Bartimaeus and it causes uh, it causes Bartimaeus to respond because it's something when. Children, how many got children, children, have you been out somewhere in a amusement park, park, whatever the case, wherever it is, it could be a crowd of people. And but it's an amazing thing when you call your child, your child will turn around. Even if, even if someone else shares the same name. Why? Because they know the voice of their parent. There is something that is in us, not just something. It's the God himself that is in us that when Jesus calls, it automatically responds. And when it responds, it responds in the sense or from the place of who we are, not where we are. That's an important thing to note. It responds from who we are not where we are. Even a child, even a child, my, I'll use my child. I'll use my child. It, it, she could be dead wrong in the middle of something. But even if what she is doing wrong has caused her pain, she'll cry out to me for help because of who she is, not because of where she is. She knows, yep, I messed up, I messed up, and I did this, I did this myself to get here. However, I know I still have someone that I can call because that's my father. We have a father that we can call no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, no matter how bad you mess up. And his love is consistent and he will call you and pull you from the condition that you're in so that you realize your value. There's an interesting thing that, uh, about, about, um, about this word Timaeus. And I'm going to read this and a couple more things, and I promise we're done. I told you we're going to be long. One o'clock, and I'm, amen. So this noun, this, this, this word Timaeus, the noun describes, in the Greek, the noun describes something that is dear, that is valuable, 
or honorable. The word itself, it stems from the verb to, which means to honor, to revere, or to prize highly. Both the noun and the verb speak of an intimate knowledge of the items or the person's usefulness relative to the economy or the world at large. This, this, is, this is the description of the word, the etymology of the word uh, Timaeus. Okay? It speaks of an intimate knowledge of the item's usefulness relative to the economy or the world at large. There's a story, there was a story on social media that floats around, it comes up every now and again, about a, um, a, a old father who was uh, beyond in years and on his way to see God shortly. <laughs> he had a daughter um, who he gave the keys to a car. Uh, the car looked old, raggedy, like it was good for nothing, and he told her, go around and see uh, what can you can what you can get for this car, and whatever you can get from this car for this car is yours. She looking at the car because all she from the time she was born to the time he was about to die, all she saw was this old rusty car in the garage that had never been used. It just sat, so she didn't think it was any worth to it. But she went to a a to a uh, uh, um, what do you call them? Um, auction. Yeah, went to an auctioneer. That's the word. Thank you, sir. Went to an auctioneer and asked what the car was worth. Just looking at the car, he said, oh, it won't sell. It's not worth anything. We're not going to give you nothing for it. She, disappointed, goes back to tell her father, I told you it ain't worth nothing. He tells her to go to someone who specializes in this particular kind of car. She goes to a person, and the car is worth almost a million dollars. It just shows that when you look at something based on the condition and are not intimately acquainted with the knowledge of the thing, you will miss the value. How many times do we do this with people? How many times do we pass over people looking at their condition, looking at their shoes? Maybe they smell. Maybe don't. their hair might be a little out of place, might got a little dirt on the clothes. We look at their condition and look past their value. Maybe it's just me. I understand. The word comes to I, I'm guilty of it. I promise you, I, I'm guilty. I work in, I work in, a, um, um, I work in, I do social work, and so I come across, and I, specifically I, I work with the homeless population um, and housing homeless people, and then we, we deal with a lot of individuals with a lot of mental health issues, substance abuse issues, and you name it, we deal with it. And the, the thing we have to be careful in our field is prejudging someone. I'll never forget, there was a, a lady, an older lady, um, and she, she just had, she had the worst body odor I can, I've ever experienced in life. Sweet, to a certain extent, but just her appearance and the way she carried herself and her attitude, her disposition, it was just, it was just ugly. It was just ugly. And, and, and all the staff members were having difficult trying to connect with her, engage. She didn't want to engage with anyone. And, um, they, so they called me, um, and I began to have a conversation just, you know, talking about nothing. And as she's talking, she begins to, to pour out and, and express her life experience. 
And it comes to find out that this lady, this lady who was sitting, um, looking filthy, smelling horribly, homeless and need, and need, in need of services is one of the most educated persons that I've ever come across in life. But, and, and beyond, there's so many other things that, 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 that just fascinated me about her story. But if no one takes the time to get beyond the stench, to get beyond the smell, be beyond the look, the appearance of a thing, to speak and to become and gain intimate knowledge of this person, no one will ever know their value. Think about yourself. Well, I mean, I'll use me again because I'm not sure. I don't want to assume. I'm not sure, uh, but I can pretty much assume that everybody has not always been in the place that you are now in life. There were some times where you had difficulties, where sometimes if somebody came up on you, you didn't know how to respond because life situations just had you all wrapped up. And individuals saw you wrapped up and left you there because they didn't think of anything beyond, they didn't think you, of you beyond the situation that they saw you in. I speak for myself. Not too long ago, I was sleeping in my car. I had nowhere to stay, couldn't stay with family, and I was sleeping in my car. And I would have, I had conversations with individuals, um, and, and, and opportunities were, uh, uh, I was passed by on opportunities just based on the fact that I was sleeping in my car. <laughs> the wonderful thing about God, the great appraiser, Jesus, the great appraiser, when he knows your value, Regardless of who sees it or not, he will always, always, because he knows how useful and relative you are to the kingdom at large, whatever position you're in, he will find a way to get glory and you will be edified as a result of it. So the individuals who will pass you by in those conditions, you will become the person who they come to for help when they're in the situation. I'm almost finished, and I, Deacon Frank asked me if I was going to be the old school preacher and the hooping. I, that's not me. <laughs> We're not going to do that. We're going to talk. I want to just drop some some nuggets and pray that it, it, it sparks you to think and look at things a little different. Um, and so the example that we see in this scripture from Bartimaeus, the one who, the blind Bartimaeus who, who was restored and regained to his sight, and we should no longer refer to him as blind, but by his name, the son of high value. From this day forward, I pray that whoever is in your life, whatever is in your life, you will no longer identify by the condition, but by the value that's in them, the value that God has placed in them, the the value that God has placed on you as a son of the most, I'm sorry, son and or daughter of the most high God. Peter says that ye are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, just those to listen, nation, generation after generation after generation shall be blessed because we are the blessed. We are the children of God. God has called us specifically for a specific time. And if we don't know our own value, what value can we be to the world? So I just simply came by just to remind you of your worth remind you that God has called you specifically. It's intentional. There is a purpose. It's beyond just coming to church on Sunday just to check the blocks of a good Christian. It's beyond just saying I did the good thing just to say I'm a good person. 
God has called you because there are people that are specifically assigned to you to be drawn into the kingdom. There are people who will not respond to another voice but yours because there is value in what you say. Eyes again. Eyebrows or something. Please. (laughs) Are y'all with me? And I promise I'm done. I just want to make sure that we get what God is saying. God loves you, and because he loves you, you are valuable. You are precious beyond whatever the... Beyond past addictions, beyond past mistakes, beyond what your parents said or didn't say about you, beyond who left you and who stayed, God consistently loves you. And because God loves you, you are valuable. It's from that same perspective I want us to go forth and engage the rest of the world as individuals who are worth the love of God. Because essentially, when we walk past, past the beggar and kind of, y'all, I do it. I, I, I got to use me because I don't. There are times when I see somebody and I will intentionally. <laughs> and really what it's saying is you're not worth the love of God. At what I have, you're not worth, you're not worth sharing with. Okay. Time to keep moving. All right. So I encourage you. I encourage you to move in the knowledge that you know who you are, that God loves you. It's not based on what you do. It's not based on where you are. It's not based on where you've been, what you've done. It's based simply on the fact that he is God. His love is unchanging. It's unconditional. And it's for you. Amen. I'm done. We're going to pray. I'm going to give it to Deacon Gaba. Is there anyone, anyone, just by a show of hands, who may have, may know of someone, or you yourself may have lost a little sight of your value? If so, we're going to pray. We're going to ask that God regain your sight, that your sight be restored of who you are. You are precious to our precious Father. And there is nothing that he will withhold from you because you are his. He gave his son to prove it. God so loved the world that he gave his son. The thing that we don't look at, the son loved the father so much that he willingly gave his life. God loved you so much that he sacrificed his own son. So that you can be a recipient, a recipient and appreciate and receive his love. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time. God, I pray now for those you saw the hands, God, those who may have been struggling, may are struggling with uh, realizing and recognizing that you have called them, that you see them as valuable, that you have called them blessed that you called them leaders, God, that you have called them righteous, whole, healed, delivered. God, we thank you that you have called us. We ask that you would be our confidence, not in and of of ourselves, but in you, God, we give glory. And we thank you for the changed work that your word has accomplished in the minds and hearts of the people today. As we go forth, God, give us the strength, the courage 
to be persistent in showing others your love and reminding the world that you have called them and your desire is to love them deeply beyond anything they've experienced. We thank you, God, that your, world, your word is sealed and nothing the enemy can do can take it or plant it out of our, pluck it out of our hearts. We thank you that you've kept us, you're covering us, you're making us, and you're continuing, continuing to draw us closer to you. As we draw closer to you, God, let none of us be seen. You get the glory out of our lives in word and in deed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all.